0: You guys, today we have a great interview coming your way. I'm excited for this one. Uh, It's a coach who actually coached here locally at Boise State for eight years, but has so many years of experience dating back to the 70s, all the way through, even after Boise State. He has so many memories, so much knowledge to share with us. And I hope you guys, again, as always, take notes on this one. Please pull out your phones, pull out your notepad. When you're listening to this podcast, if you hear something, either rewind it or Pause it and take notes. That's the whole point of the show. He's got so many golden nuggets for coaches, for athletes, those who are trying to get into the college world and, and understand kind of what the college realm looks like now, all those different things. It's a great episode on the Game Time Guru. So, what time
1: is it? Game Time
0: Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So, whether you're a former athlete, One of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you, as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's going on, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. Five years running into the show. You know, I started this back in 2017, and I, I tell you guys this in every single episode, but I want to remind those, especially if this is your first time listening to the show, that I'm just so grateful for everybody who has tuned in over the last five years. And Even if this is your first time, um, I am so happy to have you guys here. It's because of you guys that we've been able to grow this show to what it is. Um, you know, I remember, if you guys don't know the origin of my show, brief rundown, 2017, I was 28 years old, sitting in uh, a class at Boise State. Yes, I graduated when I was 28. I was, I was a non-traditional student, but... I was going to school full-time, working full-time at Boise State. Bob Beeler, who happens to be the voice of the Boise State Broncos, was in our class as a guest speaker. He was the one who actually motivated me to start my own show rather than working for a corporation doing uh, radio. So I did that back in 2017, January 17, and it's still going on today. And because of all of the listeners, we have now reached 93 different countries. We're all across the world in every 50 states, like every one of the 50 states and we're just happy to have everybody here i'm grateful for all the support that everyone showed so thank you guys for joining us and uh if you would like please hit that subscribe button and possibly leave us a review when this interview is done and let us know what you thought of our interview joining me today on the show is it, it's a really special opportunity for me because I, I threw out a twitter update i said hey does anybody have a guest uh that you'd like to bring onto the show or like that that i could contact and uh marcus graham over at why high school reached out to me and he's like hey uh, I'm not sure if you know who my dad is. And and it, it wasn't, a, I, I knew who his dad was, but I didn't put the two and two together for some reason until he said that he's like, my dad would probably be a great guest for your show. We just got to see if he'd be willing to do it. So Marcus uh, reached out to me, let me know. And then so, like flash forward a month later, um, I'm at the state basketball tournament and our guest here, coach Greg Graham was at the state basketball tournament. I didn't know you were actually sitting behind Marcus. I re- I went over to Marcus and said, Hey man, don't forget, I want to get your dad on the show. And he goes, well, he's actually sitting right there. I'm like, oh my gosh, he is. <laughs> so, I was like, so it all just worked out. It's kind of weird how the the things align when, when they need to. Um, but I went up there, spoke to coach and uh, we were able to get him on the show. His name's coach Greg Graham. He's got a lot of history, but here in the Valley, you guys might know him if you're in the Treasure Valley of Idaho uh, for his tenure that he had with Boise State. But he's been coaching across the board for years and years. He's got a lot of experience and he's going to share some knowledge with us today. So coach, I just want to say thank you for joining the show and being willing to share your your expertise with us today. Well,
1: my pleasure. And I'm a little surprised, you know, your kids don't always recommend you for things. So I'm proud of Marcus Not enough of me to recommend me. So
0: <laughs> Dude, all I'll say is Marcus is a good guy, man. I've always had good interactions with the guy and he's, he, you've, you've earned those Brownie points, I guess. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta give some respect to him because he, he was all, he was the first one to hit me up. So whatever that means for him, maybe get him a good Christmas gift or something. Cause yeah, he was uh he was the first one to DM me when I, when I sent that out there. So I'm grateful for him. Mark's a good dude. Um, So, Coach, let's rewind the clock real quick um, to before you even started coaching back in the late 70s. um, I want to talk about your athletic experience just in the in the sport of basketball specifically. You know, talk to me about your upbringing and the sport of basketball and what your history was prior to the coaching realm um, and what made you love the game.
1: Well, uh, I grew up in a football town. I live right beside the Football Hall of Fame and uh, back in Ohio. But I was uh I was pretty fast, but I was skinny. I played uh what we called little leopard football then. And I broke my arm two years in a row. So I figured time to move on. So I moved to basketball and uh I got hooked on it and uh maybe I was lucky. All the good athletes played football, so basketball was a little easier for me to me to play in. Uh, uh my, my dad was a high school player and my uncle coached uh high school basketball in uh Uh, Pittsburgh for about 40 years. So kind of a a basketball background that way. And uh, it's really the only thing I ever wanted to do. Once I got to high school, um, I knew I was going to go to college, not to play, but I knew I was going to go to college. I wanted to be a high school coach. And uh, so I never really uh, was sidetracked by anything else. I thought my my dream job was to be the head coach at my high school and and teach. And I was going to go to the beach in the summertime and come back for the school year and Kind of had it planned out. And, I, and when I graduated, I coached two years of high school in uh, Eugene. And um, I got my high school job and I went down there and uh, I was there for three years. And I was teaching eight biology classes a day. Whoa. And I thought, there's got to be a better way to do this. <laughs> and so I got a chance to get on it uh, at Oregon with, with Coach Haney, who was the assistant when I was there. And then I got my college career started from there.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So that's, that's very interesting. I love the the fact that, you know, you, you had a little bit of coaching background with your, you said your uncle was coaching for 40 years in Pittsburgh. Uh, your dad was obviously involved in the game. Um, it's you, you knew the game, you knew the game from a, a coaching perspective, but I want to talk about that transferring from the high school level as a coach to even as an assistant, like at the collegiate level and a big college at that at, at Oregon. I mean, this is not a smaller school like NAIA or anything of that nature. What was the transition like from a coaching perspective, coach, when you went from the high school level to the collegiate level?
1: Well, I initially thought that the high school had held up my career because I coached high school for five years. But once I got to college and saw some of the uh, coaching going on and the organization going on, it was a real plus for me because I had to do everything myself. So, I mean, I had assistants, but at the high school level, you got to do a lot of things. And. You don't have people to do everything. You have to be the strength coach. You got to do the scheduling. Uh, you have to run all the camps. You have to do all the film yourself, break the stuff down, teach everybody else. So um, and I, as I got into it, I thought that was a real plus for me down the road because I had worked with high school kids, grade school kids, junior high kids, and it ended up being a real plus for me um, as far as breaking down the game and, and teaching the game to kids. And I thought – uh, as I went through college, it ended up being a bonus for me versus a, a negative because I thought, well, if I would have started five years ago, I might be further down the road by now. But it doesn't always work that way, but it ended up being a, a very good background for me because I remember um, I just graduated from the University of Oregon and I was coaching at Marist High School and I'd never coached before. And then we had summer league and all of a sudden I had to take one of the teams. And I'm like, oh here we go. And so it gave me a chance to get my feet wet and speak in front of kids and groups and all those type of things, and so it ended up being a real plus. And I, I thought it really helped me when I went to Oregon. I went as a at that time was like a part time assistant. Uh, it's, it's now they're called GAs or Ops Guys or whatever. Um, so I, it gave me a good background to teach the kids coming in because there are high school kids coming in.
0: Totally, that's that's actually really cool. Now, in in regards to those kids too, what advice would you give? Knowing like just having your whole experience. There, But also having the high school basketball experience, which not every I know some people would actually like think the general fan might think that every coach starts at the, the lower levels and works their way up. But that doesn't actually always happen that way. Sometimes people get an in here and there or they just start at the college level as a GA it, it sometimes that's what happens. So the fact that you actually had that experience, I'm glad that you brought that up is is unique because not everybody gets that that chance. So you had the, the opportunity to work with high school kids and then go to the college level working with the college kids and then the high school kids transitioning. But knowing what you know from all of your years of coaching, especially at the collegiate level now, what's a piece of advice you would give to high school athletes that are working their tails off and have aspirations to play at the next level, regardless if it's a junior college or it's, you know, a, a Division One university?
1: It's a it's a bigger time commitment than you think. Uh, you think you're working hard, uh, but there's always somebody else out there putting more time in. Um, it's something that's gonna, uh, it almost becomes a job for you because everything is so, um, specialized these days, whether it's football, soccer, baseball, basketball, you have all the camps in the summer, the AAUs and all those type of things. It, it's a major time commitment. Um, and it's, uh, it's year round. It, uh, you know, few guys are lucky. They're good enough athletes. They can play a couple of sports, but if you're not one of those, uh, that one sport kind of takes all your time uh, because you need to be weightlifting. You need to be training. Uh, but the one the one thing that it, it's hard to tell parents and to tell kids because everybody wants to play on the best team, the best AU club, the team that travels, the biggest JC, the whatever it is, the key is the play. Go to a place where you can play. Um, you don't want to go and sit just because it looks good because you're not going to advance in the game. And it's hard to tell a kid, well, don't go to this school, go to this other school where you can play or this program is better for you. But the key is for kids to play. And I, it's going to be interesting to see how this portal works out down the road, because a lot of kids go and they want all everybody wants to go to a bigger school. But well, if you go and don't play, did you make a good move? And uh, there's consequences to everything you do. My, my dad's always used to say, well, it's your decision, but you just have to live with the consequences, good or bad you got to make sure you, that's the decision you want to do. And I see a lot of kids transfer and all of a sudden they're not playing anymore and where they were starters at the school they left. Uh, you know, when you're, you're old, like I am, you look back, it might've been better to go to a smaller school and have, get to play more. And, uh, but you trade off a lot of things cause you get, like I went to Oregon, you get to travel and play in nice places and stay in places. So there's a big trade off there, but for younger kids coming through when they're playing on these travel teams and all these other things, get on a team where you're going to play because you get better playing not sitting and watching
0: i love that i love that uh playing like getting on a on a, a a team that you can actually play and get the reps and do that you know you brought up a good point coach which is regarding the transfer portal i was actually just speaking to a local high school coach here yesterday on the phone i was having a conversation with him uh picking his brain on a few things and he mentioned the transfer portal i know that's now a thing that's that you didn't necessarily have to deal with as a coach at your time. But now these athletes, it's interesting. These, these guys coming out of high school, they've got to be very cautious of where they're going, because I think last year there was over a thousand names in the transfer portal. And a lot of these guys are like sophomores and juniors in the transfer portal. And a lot of the universities and a lot of a lot of the schools are now looking there first before they even look at the high school kids coming out. They're looking at the transfer portal to see if anybody can, you know, match their needs and then they'll go whereas before that wasn't really an issue. So the recruiting has kind of changed. So I'm just curious on your take on that and the and the evolution of the game, if you can call it evolution. Some people have a different opinion on it that, in that matter. But, like, the transfer portal and how it's changed the game in regards to recruiting, do you have any insight on that from a coach's perspective?
1: Well, it, it works both ways. I mean, because uh, the freshman has to work about, worry about the kids coming in, but the coach has to worry about the freshman leaving. Ah, okay, yeah. And so, you know, it kind of works both ways and, uh, you know – In the past, coaches – I don't want to say we're more into developing players and programs, but you don't know how long you're going to have your players now. And if you're taking um, transfers all the time, you have to adjust your system because you don't have as much time to teach them your system. We used to play really fast, and we did it at Oregon with Ernie, and we did it at Boise State. And We used to think about it as the first year uh, you teach the system, the second year they learn it, and the third year they get good at it. Well, you don't have that anymore. you got to have a system that's uh, very adaptable and very easy to teach kids and they can retain because if you're in a smaller school and you have a really good player, he's probably going to leave. And when you get the older guys, you're taking all the transfers, you're getting new guys every year, and every guy coming in thinks he's going to be the star. That To me, that would be the hard part. Everybody's coming in. You take four transfers, they're transferring up thinking they're going to be the guy. And so there's – a. A basketball side of it, and then there's a management side of it. Um, the portal, uh, I think last year there were like 1,700 kids, and there's only 350 Division One. I. I know there's Division Two in there also. So even if there's 500 kids, that's that's over three per school. That that's a lot of transfers, and um, I go back and forth on whether it's a good thing or not because I think kids should have opportunity, just like coaches have opportunities to move. But that's a lot, and it's creating a lot of uh, uproar, a lot of places, like you said. Uh, you know, a lot of guys, I, the guy I used to work for at Bradley, he lost five starters coming back. He was oh. going to have a real good team, and all five st- starters transferred up. And so I just wiped him out. And uh, so I think once this thing settles down a little bit, it'll slow down, and people will see the resolve of it, and kids will start seeing. well, there's no reason to go there if I'm not going to play as much, and nobody, coaches aren't going to guarantee it to you. You know, you got to earn it. But right now, it's kind of in an uproar, and it's going to stay, and it's it's kind of like society. I mean, everybody is going to what's better for them at the time and and taking advantage of it, whether it's your job or career or, or whatever it is. It's just not uh, athletes. We see it as athletes because that's what's on TV all the time, and we all associate with it. But every every business, there's headhunters, companies, and agents for every, every business there is, and people looking for jobs for you because you're always trying to progress ahead and so I don't I can't blame the players for wanting to do that but it's just has kind of created a, a tough situation for everybody and hopefully we can get it under control so it cuts it way back to where it was and it slows down quite a bit.
0: Totally and that makes that makes total sense though it's a double-edged sword it, it works both ways um, it's it's interesting everyone's trying to navigate this whole thing right now but it has kind of thrown a little bit of a pattern interrupt if you will. Well I've
1: talked to some coaches who aren't aren't even recruiting they're just waiting to see who gets on the portal, and they're going to go that way. And, and with COVID last year, recruiting's really backed up because they gave everybody an extra year. So last year they didn't need to have seniors because they had the freshman class already in there. And this junior class this year that is now seniors, they're backed up behind those guys. So it's going to take a couple of years to get that settled out. And uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamics that uh, college athletes are going through right now.
0: Absolutely. It's a little bit, I think the general fan might not have understood any of that stuff, but when you just mentioned that add on top of it, the COVID year, like you said, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it from behind the scenes. And so it, really what it comes down to is the athletes need to be aware of that. I think they need to be educated. The parents need to be educated. The high school coaches need to be educated on that too, to help guide these athletes in the right direction so that when they go to the next level, they, they are doing what's best for them, but understanding the situation that's at hand and where the coaches are at and everything, there's a lot that goes on now. There's a. I want to get to the point of here in your career, coach, because like I said before, for the listeners here that are in the Treasure Valley of of Idaho, obviously the show is all across the entire globe at this point, but we do have a big, you know, group of listeners because that's where I'm from is here. We we know of you from your Boise State tenure. Um, I think it was eight seasons total that you were here. There was a lot of good memories in that time, and that was actually like if you me growing up the late '90s with Roberto Bergerson and all those guys. That was kind of like when I started basketball, but the early two thousands kind of towards the, you know, 2009, 2010 era, were also some, another realm of really, really good athletes. And I want to talk to you about, you know, some of your memories at Boise state. Um, and, and, you know, I remember the NIT, I think it was UNLV that you guys played. I was talking to Kobe Carl on the show a couple months back when we were talking about those days, but like Brian DeFerris, Booker neighbors, a lot of those guys that I looked up to a lot. And I still play with those guys still to this day. Um, there were just some really good athletes that came through the university when you were here. So, I would love to hear, you know, your thoughts, early 2000s, coming from some big – like a big school like Oregon over to Boise State, smaller school, um, but a, a pretty good community. Talk to us about, like, the transition there and then just your overall – like, some maybe your favorite memory from Boise State during your time there or maybe two memories if you have them. Um, just kind of talking about the community and the university.
1: Well, the community is great. It made the transition uh... – really easy and when I was at Oregon as the assistant um, Coach Pete was a, a receivers coach and then when Hawk came over he brought Pete over as offensive coordinator so Pete was already over there and I knew Pete and we, we had talked and he told me how nice it was and we talked about the people in the communities and the support and um, we loved it there. We love Boise uh, that's home to my boys both my boys live there uh, cause that's kind of <laughs> where we spent the most time. Cause we moved about every four years in our business. Uh, my wife's what a trooper cause she's, I would take off to the new job and she'd have to pack up the boys in the house and yeah. do all the dirty work. But, uh, we, we really enjoyed Boise. Boise is a great place. And, uh, uh, Phoenix is pretty nice down here in Scottsdale, but we, we may have two homes, one up there and one here and, and go back and forth. Cause we, we like Boise and, uh, but uh, no, we I was fortunate. We had some some good guys play for us, and some dedicated guys. I mean, Kobe, you mentioned he's one of the biggest basketball junkies ever was, and uh, he just got a new job this year. He's the D League coach for the Sixers this year. He was with the Lakers for the last uh, about five years. Now now he's over with the uh, uh, Coach Rivers hired him on as the D League coach for the for the Sixers. Um, but we had we had a couple different uh, groups go through there. Uh, one thing I was proud of also is the time we were there. They started the um, uh, the academic requirements with the university and, and colleges, and we were the number one academic school all four years we were there. And all our players have graduated, so uh, we, they were good people off the court. Um, a lot of memories, different groups, different personalities. That I think that's the one thing. Uh, you always like to have veterans back on your team because you're going to be better. And you know, them. but boy, I always look forward to the fresh moving into the dorms because they have no idea what they're doing. They're full of energy and their eyes are wide open and they're in awe of every everything. And I think that turnover from a, a coaching standpoint, you see uh, a lot of college coaches, we stay as long as we can, you know, cause we like it and the kids keep us young and keep us fresh. And, uh but i always look forward to the, the day the freshmen come to the dorms we went down and helped them moved in and they're uh, all excited about everything because uh they're they're not they don't know what's going to hit them real quick but it's a good moment at the time you know to to bring them in and then uh, a couple good good memories uh i remember aaron haynes and aaron is still playing in japan he has played for like 15 years after or t- close and maybe more than that now i forget how old aaron is but he's had a great career over in Japan and Aaron could sleep. And so we'd get on the plane and the plane is the only time that nobody could get to me at (laughs) Boise, you know, as the head coach. So Aaron and I used to race to see who get to sleep the fastest on the plane and he'd get in, I get in. And I'm telling you, sometimes we would touch down and I thought we were taking off. The, The trips weren't real long sometimes. And, we'd race to see who'd go to sleep the fastest and guys would take the pictures and show you sleeping. And uh, so that was one I remember with, with Aaron Uh, and probably the biggest one uh, is uh, some kids had girlfriends or, or close friends. They'd go to through the holidays, but we always had the team over whoever didn't have a place to go for holidays, whether it was Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. And we always practiced in the morning so we could get it out of the way and everybody could go eat and they'd be spread out all over the house watching games or sleeping or they like to play dominoes. And uh, my wife loved having them over and she'd cook. And, th- and then Marcus and uh, Max were a little smaller when we started. And uh, so they, they got to know all the guys and, and be around them. And I always thought those relationships were uh, uh, were really good uh, for my kids and us and them. And because I'm from Ohio and I went to school at Oregon. And, and when you go away from home, it's hard. And I never went home for Christmas in the four years I was at college playing. And uh, it's a tough time sometimes, especially as you're younger. As you get junior, senior, you get other people, and you kind of get through it. But that freshman sophomore year is hard uh, on someone that's away from home for a long time. So I always thought that was a a great thing for us to be able to have them in our homes and uh, have the kids visit. And then the one other one coaching-wise that I always remember is, as as a coach, you don't want to create any problems you don't have to. Well, you always want everybody to be on time. And so on game uh, game night, we'd be in a hotel, and we'd go down and get on the bus, and you had to be on the bus at a certain time. And I would always be ready early, but I would stay away because I didn't want to have to – you're late. You know, you got to discipline somebody just because they're a few minutes late for the bus or whatever. So I always make sure Coach was the last one on the bus. And uh, so the, the night we were playing in the championship game with uh, – uh, New Mexico state I'm standing around outside and one said, coach you ready I said yeah I'm just waiting get." he said coach they're already here and uh (laughs) we went and got on the got on the bus and looked back and they were all there ready to go and I thought we had a pretty good chance to get that one that night because everybody was on the same page
0: that's so cool speaking of all so I waited my whole life, like up until that point, you know, like I said, I started watching, I started following really closely Boise state basketball in 1996. I was eight years old at the time. Then through the late nineties, you know, the Roberto era and then early two thousands and all the way through, there were some really close times of potentially making the NCAA tournament. Um, But then I leave on a church mission. Now get this coach. I leave on a church mission and it's in March that of that year when you guys ended up making the turn, like it was the New Mexico state is like whatever the triple overtime or some of that nature, right. whatever the thing was, I didn't get to see it because I was in Brazil for two years at the time. So I was, I happened to be in Brazil. I wait my whole life. I was so bitter. Uh, Cause I was like, I've <laughs> waited this whole entire time of my life, like an avid fan. Uh, and they make it when, when I'm not here, that's fantastic. But, um, it just kind of reminds me, though, as you're bringing up those memories. I was just kind of like, go, just knowing the names that you were mentioning, Aaron Haynes, those types of guys. I know Jason Ellis was there. Brian DeFares, we mentioned a couple of those guys. But then you had like Thomas, who was there. You had a cut, like you said, you had a couple of different, you know, players, like the sets of players that came through that were really, really good. And those those guys in the late 2000, like 2007 to 2010 era, um, I used to play with them over at home court when I was, you know, just out of high school, I was 18, 19 years old, and they were over there hooping sometimes in the pro am. And I just remember the like just how. I, I looked up to them because I was like, dang, they're only a few old, years older than me, but man, you'd think that they were like seasoned vets because they they were so good. Um, the NIT game, there was an NIT game in Nampa. Do you remember this one? I think you guys were playing. No Milwaukee. doubt,
1: yeah. I remember <laughs> that.
0: Oh yeah, that that was one of my favorite memories because they had to move it over to the Idaho Center in Nampa uh, because of some schedule conflicts over at the whatever it was at the time. Taco Bell Arena. I don't know what Extra Mile Arena now. There's some scheduling conflicts. The NIT, you had to host it over here at the, the Idaho Center. They, they brought everything over here. I was at that game. Can you – you said you remember it. Can you recall any memories from that particular game? Oh, because that was one of my favorite ones I've ever been to.
1: Well, we the first game we played at home, we played Vegas. And then the second game, we played uh, Milwaukee with Coach Pearl at Auburn. He was the coach. Yeah, And uh, I remember walking in and – I would like to take credit for it, but I had no idea. And I don't know whether it was uh, Gene Blameyer came up with the idea or who did, but they moved our floor out there. And that just, when we got there, it made it feel like home because we were just going in playing in a strange place. And all of a sudden we walk out there and our floor's down. And I had never thought about it. It never crossed my mind. And it was such a a neat deal to have it uh, out there uh, with our floor and play and, uh, made us feel a lot more comfortable. And, um, it was a close game and we won by a little bit right down the stretch. And, um, uh, but I always remember walking in there and, uh, having that floor down, um, uh, out there. And then the other one I remember, cause he doesn't let me forget is, uh, one of our, our good friends and boosters, Kenny Bolton. He, uh, he said, well, I'm going to have the first basketball tailgate. So he had, he always had a tailgate of football, but he did a tailgate for the for the basketball game out there that day. And uh, so that was a great day for us. That was a good day.
0: That's so cool, man. I It, it takes me back in time because I was a, a junior in high school at the time. And I just, I loved that team. And it was just such a cool atmosphere. I was at both of those games, the UNLV and then the, the Milwaukee Wisconsin game. It's just crazy to see, like, it, it feels like it was just yesterday, but it's literally almost, it was like almost 20 years ago. It's 18 years ago. So it's just nuts how it's kind of changed, yeah. but I'll oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, it, it's uh Time goes fast now. You know? <laughs> it does. You get old quick. But, uh, no, that that was a great group. Uh, most of them are very – they're all very successful right now in their careers. And uh, some have families and doing well. Some are coaching. And I know Reggie's coaching down at uh, CSI. And uh, uh, Bausch has uh, done well. And uh, here he's the main cheerleader now at, at the basketball games. And, uh, Jason's a fireman there in town and doing very well. And just the guys have done great.
0: That's so cool. All those guys are special dudes. I have loved chatting with every one of them. Um, and, 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 as I've gotten older, I've always liked to converse with them in different atmospheres. And they, like you said, Bausch, main cheerleader, but he's an, an amazing real estate agent now. i uh, one of the yes, top he, in the entire state of Idaho. I might it's...
1: have to ask him for a job. He's done so well, <laughs> or he, he can take
0: care of my boys. Maybe there you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now, uh, Coach, you have experience with the NCAA tournament. The big talk around the town now. Boise State obviously gets in. Um, They had a successful season this year. Really good season. Winning the conference outright in the regular season, then winning the actual tournament itself. Uh, Whether or not they got hosed with the the seating is another story. That's a whole different debate. But they're going to the NCAA tournament this week. They face off uh, Memphis in the first round. And they're excited. You know, the fan base is excited the players are obviously excited. This is a huge thing for the university, but you know, from your experience, um, what can they be expecting? Like what, what advice would you give to players to like, I guess, enjoy it at the same time. Like you want to enjoy it. It's an experience that not everybody gets to have, but also be able to, to hone that in and, and focus on the, the, the task at hand.
1: Well, first let me just congratulate them. They had a great season. Uh, Leon's done a great job since he's been there the whole time. And uh, he just keeps piling up the wins and the victories. And uh, they had a great run this year. Great, did a great job in the tournament. And uh, he's really taking that program to, to the next level and, and done a fabulous job. And this year's a different team for him than usual uh, because they're more of a defense rebounding team where they used to be more of an open shooting team before. Um, but the, it's hard. It's hard to tell somebody to enjoy that while you're going through it because you're so geared into what you need to do. And you're just uh, you almost get afraid to let yourself go because you're going to miss something in the tournament. Um, you know, for us, it was the first time. It's not like we had been there every year. So it kind of gets easier for you. Uh, and usually you're playing somebody bigger all the time. So you got to make sure you, you cover all your bases. But um My advice has always been try to keep the same routine you always have. You got to enjoy it, but you got to kind of keep your same routine. Don't let the media get you out of it or get sidetracked by other things. Do what you need to do. You got to enjoy it and have fun, no question about it, but try to keep a normal routine going so your kids feel comfortable because you're still, as much as you want to enjoy it, you're still there to win. And keeping your same routine, I think, helps you do it. I know some coaches that they go, when they travel stays in the same hotels and same restaurants. And if they lose, they get a new hotel and eat a different restaurant. And so just, just keep your same routine. Um, Kids will be ready. You know, you worry about well, the kids be ready. Now they're ready and uh, they'll get themselves ready, but just keep it uh, a normal routine. Don't let it get too crazy on you.
0: I love that, man. I love it. So coach, just a few more questions uh, for you as we, as we get ready to wrap this one up for you. But You know, I ask a lot of athletes that have been on the show, you know, the Jerry Stackhouses, the Chris Childs, the Walter Bonds, even, and, you know, Roberto Burks, anyone who's played at the professional level. And I've had football players, baseball players, basketball players, hockey players. And I always ask them a question about the retirement factor. Like, when did you know it was time to hang it up? But from a coaching perspective, obviously, typically speaking, I should say coaching the tenure is a lot longer because it's not as physically demanding on the body as actually playing. (laughs) But, uh, When did you know, I mean, after Boise State, you had, you still coached up until I think it was 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Like you still went, you had Bradley, you went to Washington State, like you had a lot of experiences post-Boise State. We were just kind of focusing on that for about 10 minutes, but you had a lot of experiences. But when did you know as a coach that it was time to say, okay, I've had, I've had my run and it's time to enjoy the sunshine in Arizona, so to speak. You know what I mean? Well,
1: I'm not sure I did. Okay. um, Because uh, left Washington State, not under my terms, you know. And so I I still wanted to coach. Uh, But I'd also drugged my wife around the country for 30 years. And she's lived in what I count about seven states and about 10 different homes. And uh, our kids were grown. And uh, if we couldn't find, I couldn't find something that I really wanted, you know, a spot I thought would be good for all of us that uh, let's look at a place that we want to move to. And we weren't sure where we wanted to get good weather, and obviously can't afford California anymore, so that that was out. And we picked down here because uh, of the weather. Uh, it's a a, um, a lot of people will visit you; they'll come through here. Uh, a lot of Pac-12 people from Oregon, Washington State, come through here. Our friends, the Boise people, will visit down here. Uh, we want to be able to travel. Uh, Phoenix is a hub for getting to Mexico I used to coach at San Diego state. We can drive over there and see our friends. Vegas is four hours away. Uh, It's just kind of a a neat location down here. I like to golf. I'm not any good, but I like to golf. Um, And so uh, I'm not sure I had a a set time to retire. I talked to uh, a friend of mine who used to coach me, Jack Ferdy, and he had a a good statement because he went from college. He went back to high school teaching and I used to ask him, Um, in the lounge, what's the difference between high school and college? And he had a great answer and I always use it, is that everybody looks to retire. When's my job? When can I retire? When can I get out? When do I get my 30 years in teaching? When do I get my 20 years in with the government? Coaches, we don't look at it that way. We never look at retirement. I would still be coaching if I was at the right spot. I'd still be coaching for I don't know, a few more years until I'm 70 or whatever. We don't look at retirement. We look at our team the next year, and we look forward to coming back. And uh, I, I shouldn't speak for all coaches, but, I mean, you look at all the coaches. I mean, Coach K just got done. He's 75, right? He, <laughs> if his health was a little better, he'd probably still be going. You know, Coach Bayheim. he's uh, in his 70s. and uh, But we don't look at it as looking to retirement. It just kind of kind of happens on us. Uh, some happens on it better than it happened on me and some step out like coach K, but, uh, we, we look at work and just we're fortunate. My son always tells me this, that I've got to work. I never had to work for 40 years. I, I got to do what I love to do and enjoy it. And, um, it, it's been a great thing. And, uh, like I said, we live down here now and I helped out a little bit this year, <clears throat> excuse me, one of my friends needed some help. Uh, so I, stick my hand in a little bit. And I go to games all the time. I was at a, uh, the grind session. There's a big prep school tournament last night here in Phoenix. I was down there. And my wife's going to retire here. So I'll probably go to more games because uh, I'll probably get in her way too often. So I'll probably have to get out of the house after a while.
0: I love it, man. I love it. And yeah, we got to give a shout out to your wife. I, I've never met her, but I'm sure she's an amazing woman because you, like you said, your words exactly. She's a trooper. She's done her her time with me and the wife of a coach traveling and all the stuff. And so Shout out to her and uh, that's, that's uh, awesome. She,
1: she has been, she's a trooper, you know, she raised the boys, I don't wanna say by herself, but uh, you know, dad would come home for a trip and I'd spoil them cause I'm not there. And she says, you know, I just worked on them for three weeks to get them in line. You come home in two days, you let it all <laughs> go and ruin everything I've done. And, uh, oh, but, but she's she's been a trooper and she's always said, Hey, wherever you want to go, we're good. You just tell me where to go. And we've been to a few places.
0: I love it, man. I love it a lot. That's awesome. You know, one of the things when I when I was talking to Marcus, I went to a football game uh, locally here at, at Hawaii when they first opened, and I I had my keychain. No, if you can see this, I have a Buckeyes keychain. Okay, there okay, we go. Um, that was the talking point from from Marcus. He's like, "Oh yeah, go Bucks," you know. And him and I started chatting. He was working the concessions that night, and I was like. I was telling him because I'm, I've been a huge Ohio State fan since I was seven years old. Nobody actually understands why, but it was because of Eddie George. That was my favorite player when I was a little okay. kid. And so yep. I just started I just started rooting for, for Eddie George when I was seven years old, and then that just grew into a, a fandom for the entire university. I was at the point where I wanted to go play for them. I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to play football. You <laughs> know, a little kid that wanted to do all that. Then I realized what that actually takes as an athlete and the financial commitment to out-of-state tuition. But anyway... And up until this day, Coach, I, I I do a show for Ohio State on YouTube called Scarlet and Great. I love them. I'm well connected to the university. I'm a Blitkopf Award voter. I just love to – I love Ohio State. And so when I found out that connection that we were chatting about it, like there's just this Buckeye connection, I just felt – I was like, wow. Like that is – that's very rare because they call me the Boise Buckeye because there's very few of them here. Um, real quick – just your thoughts on the universe. You and I had kind of chatted about Ohio State. You you were born and raised around Canton, around the, the NFL Hall of Fame area, you said, or whatever. And uh, so you've been around that 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 spot. You've also lived in Boise. I just want to bring this to the the fans here. I love Boise State. I'm an alum of Boise State. I've been a Boise State fan my whole life too, for bo- football, basketball, whatever. But there is a difference between the culture at Ohio State and the culture here. And I'm trying to sh- educate my fellow Boise State fans and friends of that difference. But do you have any experience that you could share as far as the culture growing up over in that type of an atmosphere compared to maybe here in a smaller town like Boise?
1: Well, this is, might sound strange, but I've never been to a high state football game the last couple of years. Uh, we went back to the Oregon high state game this past year, and we went to a Nebraska game. Um, but, uh, you know, when I we were at uh, – uh, and this is kind of a different comparison, but when we are at Washington state, uh, that like budget was, I think like $60 million and, uh, high States is 190. So that I'd tell you kind of right there, what, you know, the difference in things and, and Boise obviously is down probably closer to, <laughs> I'm sure closer to Washington state than that other end of it. Um, but that's, what's been so good about Boise state though, with the fans and, uh, the, the athletic programs, they've been able to compete at that level. Like I said, Leon's in, in tournament again, and, and football's been great. And, uh, uh, you know, to be able to compete at that level and with less resources, that that's quite an accomplishment. And uh, the support there uh, I thought w- was very good. Um, and the other thing, Boise hasn't been around from a university standpoint that long, so the, the alumni base isn't as big as it, it will be as it keeps growing because – you know, Ohio State, they're getting 100,000 at football games. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of alumni to donate back and, um, you know, do all those type of things for the school. But, uh, you know, I, I can't complain for when I was there, uh, the support that I got from Boise. And, you know, I was fortunate I was at Oregon. So we were the Nike school. And uh, when I was over there, and as a matter of fact, when I went there to college, Nike just started. Coach Bowerman was our track coach, and that was Phil's partner uh, there. Mm-hmm. He was our track coach when I got to school. So, um, you know, I've seen all the things that they have and the facilities they have, but, uh, Hey, uh, Boise state has more than held its own. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the other great thing, I just thought of this, the memory I had of being a Boise state, and this isn't a basketball, but, uh, we got to go down to the Oklahoma football game and Gene took us all down there. We, we had a plane and went down and we flew down in the morning, flew back afterwards. And, I canceled practice that day so we could go to the game the game down there. And I always remember that football game
0: uh, being a big memory as well. That's funny you say that. That was one of my first experiences at a major football game. I was uh, 18 at the time. I was I was there, too. Uh, that was crazy. That was a cra- hook and ladder, Statue of Liberty. That's cool that you guys had that, too. It's funny because, Coach, you mentioned when we were talking, you went to that Nebraska game. I happened to be there, too, which is random. Yep. Like There was a connection there. I'm like, how – who do I know that actually went to the Nebraska, Ohio State in Nebraska? Like I was there too. So like I'm, I'm with you on that. And I just want to shout out to everybody who's listening as far as Boise State is concerned. What Coach Graham just said was a huge piece. The the financial resources, that universities that are smaller like this, compared to those major universities like the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Alabamas, all those, those, they have a lot of money that comes through there. I don't think people realize how much money. So you can build better resources. It's better for recruiting. It's a a bigger hotspot. But Boise State has been able to hold their own in multiple sports. And that's another piece. If you guys go back and listen to one of my episodes with Mindy K. Larson, she's the Deputy Commissioner of the Summit League. When you make the NCAA tournament, there, there's a financial benefit from that as well. I don't think people realize that. And if you win in the NCAA tournament for basketball, each time you win, there's a little bit more money that's generated because it's a split from the NCAA as a nonprofit's split amongst the conference. So it's just, it's huge. Like, especially now with the Mountain West having four teams in, it's that's a big thing. So hopefully that can stem. You guys remember when, when or sorry, when Boise State won the festival against Oklahoma, like Coach Graham was just referencing that game, that was kind of the start of the the program getting more steam. The whole university was becoming big. It had better resources, better facilities, better everything. And then they that helps recruiting and that stem, stems moving forward like a, a domino effect. So hopefully, you know, this is the not the beginning. This is just, hopefully it just continues on to, to move forward because you kind of built that base. It's been a good program. It's had some ups and downs. And now the, the, the basketball program is continuing on. Hopefully this can help with recruiting in the future. So last question I got for you, coach. Biggest life lesson that basketball has taught you?
1: Oh boy, there's a lot of them. I mean, to me, sports is kind of a microcosm of life because it, you go through everything in a two hour period, uh, success, failure, hard work, uh, disappointment, um, joy. Uh, you can go through so many things and see it in such a, a quick setting as, as, you know, a two hour practice or a game or, um, Boy, I would say uh, perseverance. You just got to hang in there. And uh, I know my my wife used to tell my boys to hang in there. Her saying was the cream will come to the top. It's just whether you can wait it out long enough. And uh, uh, But I, I would say probably uh, perseverance. And the other one I would say, um, whether it's as a player or as a coach, is to surround yourself with the best people you can. Um, if you're, if there's 10 people and nine of them are bad, the 10th one is going to end up being bad or right. If you have, go the other way, it works the other way. So, uh, so whether you're hiring people, you're coaching with people, you have players playing for you or what is try to have yourself in the best group of people. you can be in successful people around successful people. Um, and that's, you know, a couple of things we try to stress to our guys, and like I said, our guys have done very well. They've all graduated, and uh, a lot of them played ball overseas for a while and then came back and got into their careers. And, um, and you know, I, the other thing I hope they got out of it is to be, uh, is to be a good person. Uh, to me, that that's just as important as everything, is the basketball and the school and everything else. Is Being a quality person is big.
0: Those are huge. I'm taking notes here too. I hope those who are listening, whether you're on an iPhone, whatever, either taking notes with a pen and paper, or you pull up your notepad on your phone and take some notes right there. Rewind those things that coach Graham just mentioned right there. Those are huge. And that's what I love to to love to learn from someone who's been there like yourself, who's gone through years and years of experience as an athlete, as a coach, whatever, uh, you know, you've been around it, you've seen it. And so that's what I, I appreciate you sharing that. So I just want to say, as we wrap this up, Coach Graham, it's been an honor. I appreciate you joining us and being willing to share your story, my man. Thank you so much.
1: My pleasure. Go Broncos. And I got to throw this plug in. Go Storm
0: for Hawaii. Oh, yeah. Go Storm. <laughs> Stay chanced, baby. I love it. For all those who are listening, hopefully you guys enjoyed the interview. If you could leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, let us know what you think. That'd be awesome. And we'll be coming to you next week with another one.